Well, I know uh, Jesus said we're supposed to love everybody, right? The problem is there's like, there's like one group that I don't, I, have, I struggle. Like I just don't like them very much. They're called Packer fans. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just can't, just can't stand them. Drive me nuts. Like I almost didn't hire Hunter just because he's a Packer fan. Okay? Drive me crazy, all right? I'm a Bears fan. If you don't know, I'm a Bears fan. I know we got lots of Vikings fans. And here's the problem. We say we don't like you, Packer fans. The issue is it's rooted in jealousy, okay? We're just jealous. Like our teams are always bad and you're always good and you have a good quarterback always. Drives me crazy. Sorry. Seriously, you've had two quarterbacks. The Bears have had like 63 quarterbacks in those two quarterbacks. It's ridiculous, okay? All right, so, I, so it pains me this morning that I'm going to be using a Packer as an illustration, so I apologize. Some of you know the name Vince Lombardi, right? You ever heard the name Vince Lombardi? He is a Hall of Fame coach for the Green Bay Packers. Back in the 60s, he was one of those great, I mean, they won a bunch of Super Bowls. They named the Super Bowl trophy after him. It's the Lombardi Trophy because of Vince Lombardi, all right? And I, oh, somebody just learned something. I'm teaching people things. <laughs> this is great. You're going to learn lots. To, no. Um, in 1961, he stood in front of his team who would go on to win that Super Bowl. And he held up a football. And he said something that was rather peculiar. He said, Gen- gentlemen, this is a football. First meeting of the year. Gen- it's, it's weird. Why would you do that? These are professional football players. They were the best of the best in elementary Junior high, high school, they got to go to the best colleges. They got drafted. They're the best of the best. Some of these guys have been professional football players for 10 years, right? And they, he stands before the first meeting of the year. Gentlemen, this is a football. And what he was trying to do was to teach them a very basic principle that here's what can happen is that we can get really distracted in other things. If we want to meet this goal out here, but if we don't excel in the basics... We're never going to get there. If there aren't a few things that hold us together that center us, we're going to get distracted. We're going to go, there's no way we're going to succeed. And so this morning, every year, we have Vision Sunday. We come, Amber and I come before you, and we say, gentlemen and ladies, this is a football. This is what we're about. This is where we're heading as a congregation, as a church. Remember, that the church is us, this people in here. And so we're going to talk about that here this morning. And if you're a member of our church, if Zoe is your home and you're a part of this, so glad that you're here. If you're joining us online, uh, this is going to be one of those days where you're just reminded. You should be reminded of this stuff. This shouldn't be the first time you've heard this stuff. But to be reminded what we're about. And I pray that once again, if that fire's gone cold at all, I pray that it would light up again inside of your heart. If you've been attending for the last several months and maybe just still one foot in, one foot out, my prayer this morning is God would just awaken your heart to what we are about as a congregation and you would dive in with everything you've got. But if you are a guest, uh, number one, understand this is a different message. This isn't how we do things normally. But I think this is the best Sunday you could be here. Because at the end of this thing, in the next 30 to 40 minutes, you will know whether this is a place you want to be a part of. It'll be very clear to you. You might say, that's what I want to be a part of. You might say, "Mm, not for me. That's okay. I pray that you find a place where you can dive in, where you can be used, and God can use your your gifts for the sake of his kingdom. This morning, this is what we're about. And so I'm going to invite you. Uh, to pray with me as we just ask God, would you, would you do a work in our hearts? God, we give you these next few moments. God, I am not able to, I'm not smart enough, I'm not a good enough talker to be able to convince anybody of anything. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit 
to do a work. So would you remind us of the truth today? We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is Zoe all about? What are we all about at this church? To understand what Zoe is all about, you gotta gotta rewind a little bit back to look at your leaders, me and Amber. See, uh, my wife Amber, she was, uh, grew up in a, a Christian family. Her parents got saved later in life, and, and they actually are pastors, still pastors of an amazing church, right? And when Amber uh, was younger, she kind of had the rebellious thing going, and she went, she was a party animal, she was, uh, got into alcohol and relationships and a lot of these things, you know, head in the wrong direction. And the problem that she struggled with a lot was that she felt like the church was not a safe place for her. There were some things that took place where she always felt like the outcast. She could never be honest and, re- and actually deal with the stuff. She was never going to be good enough to deal with stuff there. By the grace of God, she ended up at North Central University, and within a few weeks, God did a work in her heart and began to totally transform her life. Now, I had a very similar story in that I was raised in a Christian home, but my parents weren't pastors. But I'm the boring one, right? If you know us, I, I tend to be the boring one. She's the way more fun one, okay? And so I didn't have this rebellious time where I totally ran, but I definitely had the time where I had stuff going on, and I just hit it. Because here's what I saw in the church. I saw, you got to fake it. You got to kind of put a mask on. You got to pretend a little bit. You cannot be real. You can't open your stuff. You got to, you know, I, every, just put your show on. Just like, let's pacify. I would listen to sermon. I'm like, I know the relationship is not that good, but he's making it sound like everything is peaches and whatever, you know? And so Amber and I, we eventually, we got married and we stepped into ministry. We've served at a previous church for 15 years. I was a worship pastor and then executive pastor. My wife served women's ministry, started in youth ministry. And during all these years of ministry, we looked at the church and we said to ourselves, this is good, but I don't know if this is what God's intention for a church was. I felt like, I feel like we could do a better job of looking more like the kingdom of God. And so God's just stirred things in our hearts, but we'll be honest, we had no desire to ever lead a church. That wasn't in our, what we're trying to do. We're not aspiring. If you get to know us, we're not trying to aspire to anything. We just said, God, whatever you want, we'll do it, right? Wherever you want to lead us, we'll do it. And so two years ago, this church at the Times Discover Church called us up, said, we're looking for a pastor. And you know what we wanted to say? <laughs> That's what we wanted to say. We were honest with you. you. We never lied to you. We had no desire to come here. We said it from day one. We didn't want to come here. In fact, the first interview with here, we were sitting there like this trying to say, okay, no, we don't want to come here. We were doing this just to do a favor for somebody. But in a matter of days, God began to break my heart and eventually break my wife's heart. And not to call us to be lead pastors, but call us to this church for this season to pastor this church. And it was evident that God was doing a work in here that we are going to join in. The saviors of the world are not Amber and I. It is Christ. He is the one, and he was the one that was already doing a work in the congregation that was here. There was a work going on. It was so evident that the Spirit of God was moving in this congregation, and we got to step in. Now, leading up to that, in February, it'll be probably the beginning of February, two years ago this February, we hadn't even decided to come here yet. In the middle of the night, God woke me up, and I'm praying. I'm in the hallway praying. It was like the month of tears, Amber said. She'd find me just crying all the time. And I'd just be praying. And I'm in the middle of the night, I'm praying, and, and I felt God say, There's a verse that is going to be all about this church. This is what you are about. And it was a verse, John 10, 10. If you don't know the verse, it says this. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because in your life, you've experienced it. You know what it is for the enemy to steal, to just try and take you out, to try and kick your butt, to try and end you. 
Some of you have experienced that in relationships. You've experienced that in in communities you've been a part of, in churches you've been a part of. Whatever it is, the enemy wants to destroy you. That's his desire. And that's been the story in this church. There was seasons in this church where the enemy has tried to take it out. But I believe God spoke this word that this is what the the truth is for this church. The enemy, they may want to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus gave this promise. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, right? And what is that word, life? Everybody know? Zoe. Zoe, That they may have Zoe. Some of you are like, oh, that's what that means. Okay, Zoe. Zoe isn't some cool word. We're trying to be trendy. It's not a four-year-old girl. Okay, Zoe is our church. It means the abundant, overflowing, overwhelming life that only comes through Jesus. That's what Zoe is. And what I sensed in my spirit was God saying this. Listen, you are going to be called Zoe, not because it's just a cool name, but because this is what I'm going to do in this body. In the places where, for as a church, the enemy has tried to steal, kill, and destroy, I'm going to breathe my life. And for people that walk in these doors who have been broken and beat up, I'm going to breathe my Zoe life into them. And what have we seen over the last two years? Over and over and over and over again, we have watched the life, the Zoe life of Jesus Christ displayed in people's hearts and lives. Amber and I, it's our favorite thing because we just smirk every time when people walk in these doors and they just say, I don't know, Greg, it just feels like there's a life here. And I'm like, you said you would do that, God. It ain't us, folks. We're not that good. I love y'all, but we ain't that good. It is the spirit of God moving. And my prayer is that it would never be about us. It would never be because we're so good because we know how to put on a good show for everybody. No, that the spirit of God is moving. And that he is working and he is doing a work that we can't muster up, right? That's my prayer for us. And so we are Zoe Church. It would be about a couple weeks later, same thing, crying, middle of the night, whatever. And God began speaking some things into my heart again. And again, we hadn't even said yes, folks, at this point. We're just praying. And God breathed three things into into my heart. And he says, this is what you are going to be known as, as a congregation. This is what you're going to be about. This is going to be your core values as a church. And I want to go through those. These are the things that you will hear more than anything else here in our congregation. Number one is this. We are gospel-centered. We are gospel-centered. We're not preaching-centered. We're not killer worship band-centered, right? We're not potluck-centered, you know? I would even say this. We're not even Bible-centered. And some of you will say, whoo, listen to me. It is possible that you can have a place that values the word of God and misses the gospel because they turn scripture into a moral code rather than the hope of Jesus Christ, okay? But you cannot, you cannot be a gospel-centered church and miss the word of God. You will know around here on a weekly basis, I don't get up here and just give you my, here's my hot topics for how you can make a better life and make more money. No, we open the word of God every week and we say, God, what do you have to say to us? You're the, I got nothing of value to bring to you guys. I don't. All I can do is say, God, what are you speaking? How can I reveal that to us as a body? We desperately need the word of God. Jesus stood before the enemy when he came. He says, we live on the word of God. That's where our life is. That is our lifeblood. We desperately need it. And that's what we do. We say, God, we are gospel-centered. We are centered on what God has done and is doing in the world through Christ. That's our passion. You, you have parents out in the room. Some of you got kids, you got teenagers. What I, what I don't want for your kids, I don't want them to just be good church kids. 
I don't want them to just be nice little church kids who do the right thing all the time and yay, everything's right. Because guess what? They're going to leave your house. And if they aren't grounded and rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are in serious trouble. Okay? And so we want to have a place here where we are so focused, so passionately focused to drive the gospel in every area. I'm so excited to have Hunter here serving with our youth because our youth are getting their butts kicked out there in the world. And our prayer is they would be rooted and established in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that that is their hope and their salvation. All right? We are gospel-centered. This is why we give so much money out of these doors. It's why we support over 40 missionaries and missions organizations on a monthly basis. It's why we give to things like Kingdom Builders, to, to invest in the kingdom of God all around the world because this gospel is meant to go to the ends of the world. This ain't about us. This faith thing ain't about us. We want to make it about us. I want to come to Jesus, and how does he make my life better? No, it's about you entering his kingdom, not him entering yours. Okay? That's what it means to follow Christ. Die. That's what the call is. Come and die. It's the call Jesus gave to every follower. Number one, we are gospel-centered. Number two, we embrace the struggle. Now, I have some people that, that say, well, Greg, Greg, we're overcomers, right? We just, we're overcomers. We are victors in Christ. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. That doesn't mean everything goes the way you want it to, though, does it? Right? You can do all the right stuff, and sometimes things don't work out the way you want them to. Jesus gave us a promise that we don't like to listen to. What was the promise? In this world, you will have troubles. In this world, you will. It's a promise he made. I don't like that promise, but it's true. And so around here, rather than putting on a facade and faking it and acting like everything's all together and my life's great and me and Amber, we never fight and just our kids are perfect and everything smells good and our puppy just smells good all the time. Like, <laughs> instead of saying those things, we say, you know what? We can be honest. And around here, we say this. We embrace the struggle, number one, of life. Life isn't always the way you want it. Things aren't always perfect. Sometimes you hit a situation in your life and like, I don't like this. You ever read the Psalms before? David hit that kind of point a lot. I don't like this, God. I don't get this. I don't understand. You ever had those moments? Like we have those in life. It doesn't make you more spiritual to ignore that, to pretend like everything's okay, to walk in and say, my life is great. No, let's be honest. And a faith is meant to be honest, all right? And this is why we say we don't just embrace the struggle of life. We embrace the struggle of faith because faith isn't always easy. Faith doesn't always work out the way you want to because sometimes you have a belief and suddenly you hit a circumstance in life and everything gets shattered and you're like, God, I'm not sure where I stand right now. I'm not sure what I believe. And unfortunately, what we have done in the church all too often is we've created a circumstance and a culture that says, you can't, don't bring that here. Don't talk about that. Don't acknowledge that issue. Don't ask that question. No. I think about our, our kids. I mean, I've met so many young people who were raised in church, good church kids, right? They go out in the world, and suddenly they have some questions about their faith. And I've had, I've had conversations with them before, and they come to me and it's like, I think I'm going to have to leave for a while so I can figure some stuff out. And I said, dear Jesus, what kind of a culture have we built that people have to leave the community of believers to ask the hard questions? Like, why can't we build a culture that says it's safe to do it here? Guess what? God has his big boy pants on. He can take it. 
I say this sometimes. God's shoulders are broad enough to take your questions, but they are tender enough to take your tears. And no matter what you are walking through, no matter what you are facing, our God says, bring it. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. And we, listen, God may be like that, but as a church, we have to be willing to be those people. To say we are willing to be those people, even though it might make us uncomfortable sometimes. And it will. There'll be times you're like, I don't know what to do about this. It's okay. We're in this together, all right? This is the culture of our church. This is who we are. And if I ever see anybody operating in a way where it says, nope, can't bring that in here, you're going to hear from me. You understand? Okay? There's not a lot of stuff I get hot about. This is one of them. You're going to deal with me. The other one is unity, but that's a whole other service, okay? <laughs> we are gospel-centered. We embrace the struggle. Finally, third, we just spoke about this two weeks ago. We are the church. We say this, we don't go to church, we don't do church, we are the church. Church isn't a building, church isn't an event, church is you, and the church is me. We are the church. Got to stop talking about, well, well, they. No, you are they, okay? There is no they. You are they. You are the church. We don't get to sit and complain about all the things. No, no, that's you. Are you doing those things? Why, why don't they ever do that? Okay, are you doing that thing? Because you are the church, and you could be doing that as well. What are we called to? First and foremost, we are the church for one another in these walls. First and foremost, Jesus said, listen, is it, I'm, they're going to know that you're my followers. How? For your love for, not, not the people out there, actually. What did Jesus say? He said, they will know you for your love for one another. The way we treat each other in here. The way we care for one another. What was so appealing to the early church? It wasn't because they were putting on big shows and, and going and feeding the people out there. It was that they were taking care of their brother and sister in Christ. That they were the healthy ones. When there was a sickness that would go through the community, they would take care of one another. And that's what we're called first and foremost, to be the church for one another. I see you do that at times. I see you over this past year that's been hard. I've seen you caring for one another, loving one another, meeting needs, giving. When other people don't even know it, not just giving to the church, but giving to one another, providing for one another. That's what we're called to be to get into the trenches with each other and help each other. That's what, that's what life is. That's what this whole faith thing is supposed to be about. But it's also being the church to the world around us. Because you may be the only church somebody ever sees. Your block, your apartment building, your school, your, your church, or your uh, work, your office. You may be the only church somebody experiences. And my prayer is that for every one of us, that we would be the church dispersed. It's not just like we huddle in here for an hour on Sundays and then fake it and then walk out and go carry on with our life. That we would take the life, the Zoe life we experience here, and we would live it out there. And that the, the world around us would see the hope of Christ in our eyes. They would feel him in our souls, right? That we carry the very presence of God with us wherever we go. We are the church. That's what we're about, all right? So these are the core values of what we're about. In a moment, I'm going to share some things um, for 2021, what we feel God calling us to in this new year. But before we do that, I want to open the word of God and just share a, just a few verses with you. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse one, number 1. And uh, something we do around here, whenever we get to kind of our primary text, just a tradition around here. So if you don't mind doing that, would you just stand with me across the room? It's just a way that we physically say, God, we value your word above every other word. All right? Here's what it says, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. One of the best verses in scripture. What's it say? As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. 
You are dead. See what the gospel starts? It doesn't start with good news. It starts with really, really bad news. And until you accept the bad news, there is no good news for you, right? The, the, the bad news isn't that you're sick. The bad news isn't that you're a little, that you missed the mark only. The, the, the bad news isn't that you just got a few issues, that you're struggling. The bad news is that you're dead, spiritually dead. The wages of sin is death. That's where we're at. And if you missed last week's message, remember Hunter said you got to choose your butt. This week we just have a big butt, all right? Thank you. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, verse number four. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. That's the good news. That's the hope that we have. The good news that our salvation does not come from our goodness, our righteousness, our ability to, to meet some standards. Our righteousness is given to us by Christ. It is like a coat put over top of us, and we are given brand new life. That's the good news of the gospel. But I want to go on to verse number 8. What does it say? For it is by grace you have been saved, praise God, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's not you, folks. Remember, we're not that good, but praise God, uh, for we are God's handiwork, right? We are God's handiwork. He's the one that has done a work in us. He is continuing to do a work, to mold us, to make us. But what does it say? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. You can be seated. I know I shared this verse a couple of weeks ago, but this, this is just the verse that God said, you have to share this again because this is, this is something we've got to get a hold of. My, uh, my grandpa, he passed away when I was 12, and there was something in his house. He had one of these, you ever had these uh, mechanical bike things where you kind of do this and it's like you do this and it's like a fan in there. You ever seen one of those kind of things, whatever? I would go on as a kid because it was cool because you do this thing and it would like blow air on me. It would be really cool. My grandpa had this thing. Again, I was 12 when he passed away. I never once saw my grandpa get on that bike, <laughs> okay? Any of you have equipment like that at home? Like, yeah, I own it. <laughs> I bought it. I'm still paying for it, but I've never used it, right? He would always just like hang his clothes on it. Like, I don't know. It was just like he used it as a shelf. It never actually served a purpose. <clears throat> But see, I think so often this is how we operate in our faith. God has given us the greatest gift possible, and then we put ourselves on a shelf and say, well, we'll just wait till heaven. I don't got anything to do. Like, remember, we use, it, we use this phrase, it's not, about, it's not about what we do, it's what God has done. You're right. But because he has done, you better do something. You weren't saved to sit on the corner and just kind of twiddle your thumbs and wait till Jesus comes. You weren't saved so that you could just kind of come to church once a week and enjoy a little time together and get your buzz and then go back to living your life. You were saved to do something for the kingdom. You have been invited into the kingdom, his rule and his reign today, not some future tense, all right? So how are we going to engage? What are we going to do? And there was one word that, that God put on my heart for us for this year, and it was simply this very simple word of engage. This is the word God spoke to me for our congregation this year. Engage. 2020 was a year where it was really easy to disengage. Right? Because we disengaged from everything. We stopped wearing pants. <laughs> we stopped. There's so many things we stopped doing in 2020. We didn't go anywhere, right? 
It was just a time to disengage. And I get it. Some of that was good. Some of it was like to unplug and get away from some things. But I feel God saying, hey, this is a year we need to engage again. We've got to bring ourselves here again. See, in 2020, although we disengaged a lot, looking back across this year, man, God has still moved. He's moving all around the world, but we have watched him move in this congregation. The beginning of last year, we continued to watch him grow, watch this church grow and, and new people walking in these doors, people who've never experienced faith, never experienced church before walking in these doors. And then COVID hit, and like every pastor in America, I'm like, I don't know who goes to my church anymore. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. But you know what we've seen happen this past year with all the weird? We are ministering to far more people today than we did a year ago, despite everything. It's crazy. And, and throughout this year, we've watched it. We've seen people come to faith for the very first time. We've seen marriages restored. We, we have seen God moving over and over and over again. Uh, just this past week, I'm sorry, I'm going to use your name, Ed, but we got a good report. Somebody here who's got cancer. And, and had been, we had been praying. He came to me last week. The doctor said, didn't know. I was like, I didn't think this was going to happen. But suddenly everything is turning the other direction. We're seeing a healing working in his body. And I'm praying for a complete healing. We believe, we believe that our God is active. He is working, he is moving. And we can be confident that he wants to move in 2021, right? We know that. We are confident of that. The question is, will we? Will we engage? And so I have a big so what every week here. We always say that so what, what's the point of this message? If you forget everything else I talk about today, I want you to walk away knowing this. It's this, an active God is looking for an active church. An active God is looking for an active church. He's moving. Are we going to jump in? That's what faith is. Faith isn't trying to muster something up and trying to make it happen. It's just joining what God's already doing in the world. Even for our own lives, you say, well, I want to grow in my faith. Guess what? God wants to grow. You know what scripture says? He's the one that produces that in you. Will you join him? Will you join the work that he wants to do in your heart? Will you join him? And so what I want to do is spend the last few moments here this morning just talking about some of the things that I feel like God is challenging us to engage in over this next year. And I don't, I don't like to be cute with my preaching, so I apologize for this one, but it's alliteration this morning. Yay. They all start with F. It's awesome. Okay, first one is this. Chris, you can wait about 10 more minutes. Otherwise, you're going to be standing there for a while. <laughs> <coughs> I have these moments when I'm up here and I'm like, either I don't say anything and it's going to be weird for us all, or why don't we just point it out and deal with it. Embrace the struggle, ladies and gentlemen. Embrace the struggle, okay? <laughs> Number one, engage in our faith. This might seem really simple. Remember, this is a football, folks. But I've had very mature believers over this past year come to me and talk about how the fact that they've kind of slipped in their Bible reading. They haven't been spending the time praying like they used to. Because they've disengaged in so many other things, they've kind of fallen off the rails that way. I get it. Totally get it. This is the, age, the year to engage again, to get back into the word, to get back into saying, God, God, you are more important than everything else, to shut off the dang social media and say, I need to hear from you. I don't need everybody else's opinions right now. I need to hear from the word of God. Would you engage this year? Now, specifically when it comes to the word of God, we, we have Bible reading plans around here. Tomorrow, we wrap up, I think it's 270 days of reading the New Testament. We are just doing a chapter a day, okay? Tomorrow, wrap that up, all right? But today, we are launching a new reading plan. And this is kind of a little next level. So some of you are like, ooh, I don't know if I can do this. Hey, 
Sometimes we've got to challenge ourselves. Here's what we're doing. We are reading the entire Bible over the next year, all right? The whole Bible. And so it starts today with Genesis chapter 1. And uh, there are two different ways you can engage with this. Uh, if you go to our website, uh, at the top of the page, there's a little link that just says Bible reading plan, I think. If you click that link, it has... Uh, uh, kind of explains everything that we're doing. There's two ways. We'll, we'll put up a, a schedule every month of the reading for that month if you like to use a paper Bible like I do. Okay, I'm like old school that way. I like to feel the pages. It makes me feel good, okay? But the other option is, and I actually would encourage you to use this even if you want to read with a paper Bible, is using the version reading plan. We've launched a version plan that you can click on that. You can join in with that plan. Here's why. Because there's some uh, group called the Bible Project, and they have produced videos for every book of the Bible, and every time you get to a new book, it'll give a like five to eight minute video that explains who is in that book, what's it about, overarching understanding, just to give you a framework as you read it. It'll be helping you in the process of reading scripture. So I would encourage you before this day's up, jump in, start today. This isn't start tomorrow. This is take 15 minutes and start today. And let's see what happens as we allow the word of God to really dwell in our hearts, okay? I want you to engage in your faith. I'm going to say something, and y'all that are in the room are going to have to be patient with me for a second. I want to talk to our online crowd for a second. Here's what I want to say. First and foremost, we have some amazing people who work in the medical industry who are worshiping with us online because they are doing it to serve us. And I say thank you. You are amazing, and we appreciate that. Yeah. We also have some people in our congregation who are older. And, and you need, to, or in a, you know, certain conditions that this is something that you've got to stay away because you need to stay safe. Totally get that, and we are grateful that you can worship with us. And there are others of you who feel like this is the right decision for you or for your family right now. And I say that is great. But there is another group that watches us online, and they have talked to me, and here's why I'm, I'm talking about this. You are only online because you just kind of got used to it, and it just was easy. And you know it's not really best, but it's just easy. Would this be the year? No condemnation. I don't, I'm not mad about anything. I want to challenge you. Would God be saying this is the year once again to re-engage in the body? Because we say this all the time. Some, sometimes the most important thing that we experience on a Sunday isn't what we give. It's what we bring to the body. It's what we give to one another, the way we encourage one another. All right? So I want to challenge you. This year, would we engage in our faith? What are you going to do this year to engage in your faith? To light that fire again? To start again? God is moving. Are you? Second thing, I want to challenge you to engage in your faith. Second, engage in the family, the family right here at Zoe. Uh, there's a couple of ways. Remember, we say we are the church. It's not something, it's not like me and Amber doing all the stuff. It's we are. The only things that we accomplish around here are because we engage together. And I truly believe that God has brought many of you in this. So many of you knew over this last year. And I believe God is doing something new in this congregation. And he said, you need their gifts. You need their gifts. You need their gifts. Why? Because I'm doing a work in this place. All right, and so, so my challenge to us is this year, and we will be talking about this throughout the year, is are you engaging with the body here? Are you bringing your gifts and talents for the sake of the kingdom right here at Zoe? Because I think there is something for you to do. Remember, God did a work. It's done for us to do something. Are we engaging? It's not just in these walls. There are things that we are doing all around this community, and this year we are going to challenge you to engage. I want to see every single person who calls this their home involved and active in some way this year. That's the call, all right? But there's another way that we engage with the family, and it's through our groups and community. And uh, this past year was weird. We get it. It was hard. There were certain things we weren't able to do. Uh, but with some of the changes that are being made in our state, 
and opening up, we feel like this was the time for us to once again create more opportunities even in our building to be able to, to grow in relationship with one another. And so excited to, to announce, Amber's already been talking with the ladies, but we are launching a winter session this February. Uh, first Wednesday night of February, we launched that. What does that mean for us? I mean, you're like, what is a winter session? It's seven weeks. There is going to be a session for women in this room. Amber and a few others are leading that, but then it's all around tables. So you get to build relationships with other ladies. I'm going to be leading one with a few guys in the cafe, and we've got a, a, a study for the men. Both of these are great sessions. You are not going to want to miss out. In addition, there's youth going on. Uh, there is uh, kids programming for our kids as well. And so this is something you, you don't want to miss out on, especially if you're saying, man, I want to I grow, and I, I just feel like I need to know some other people. I need some other believers in my life encouraging me and challenging me. This is for you. And so uh, we will be opening registration uh, next Sunday, and so look for that as an opportunity to engage with that. But throughout the year, we'll be creating more opportunities. And our desire is that you wouldn't just know me because you listen to me talk on a stage, but that you would know other people, right? See, some of you walk in on a, on a weekly basis and you don't know anyone, and, and that breaks my heart. And some of you long to know someone, long to have a relationship, and we want to create opportunities for that, okay? Cool. So faith, family, last one, engage in your finances. Now, if you know me, I don't love talking about money, but I do it for a very specific reason, because it's important. Jesus talked about money a whole lot. If you were here back in November when we did a series on finances, we say this. Listen, the reason Jesus talked about money is because it's intimately tied to your heart. And if he doesn't have a hold of your wallet, he doesn't have a hold of your heart. He cares desperately for your heart, okay? And so I don't get up here because I'm like, oh, you need to, you need to give here for us. No, you need to give for you. Because when you take a step to give, it's, it's something that happens when you can do this. When you let go, say, God... I entrust you. We talk about finances around here. The goal is that we would orient our entire lives around Christ. But first and foremost here when it comes to finance, that our, all of our finances would be oriented around his kingdom. That we would say, I don't just say, God, you've got all of me, but my wallet. No, you say, God, you've got all of me. You've got all of me. And so we encourage people toward giving here for that purpose. Now, you know, everything that we do around here as a church is only funded by us. You know, what you and I give is the only thing that funds anything when it comes to buildings and staff and turning lights on and supporting missionaries around the world. That happens because we all give. It's the only way it happens. Uh, but I challenge everyone into this congregation into a step of premeditated, consistent giving. It's my fancy word for you plan it, and then you do it regularly. Right? I don't care what it is. But that's the precursor to the tithe. To get to a position where you say, God, I'm going to Give regularly. I'm going to begin to invest regularly, to begin to constantly do this. Say, God, it's all yours. I'm entrusting my life to you completely. But then for others who are ready to take that step to say, I challenge you in the tithe. What is the tithe? It is 10%, but it is the first 10% to say, God, I give you my first. I give you the best. Why? It's showing you that my trust is in you. My confidence isn't in myself. It's not my ability to earn money and make money and make this thing happen. My trust and confidence is in you. And so I say this again, and I just want to remind people, because when we start a new year, oftentimes it's like reset moment. I need to get some things settled again. This might be a moment for you to say, okay, I've gotten a little sloppy. I've walked away from that. Maybe I haven't been giving as I should. And, and I would make, take that step once again into the tithe. But there's something else that we do around here. Amber, could you grab me one of those? Um, there's something else we do around here that we call kingdom builders. What is kingdom builders? Kingdom Builders is above and beyond giving. Hear this. If you are not already tithing on a regular basis, Kingdom Builders is not for you. All right? 
Your first step is to invest in the ministry here. There will be an opportunity at the end of the year if you want to give in our special offering at the end of the year toward Kingdom Builders, that's fine. But on a regular basis, Kingdom Builders are for those who are in our congregation who are already tithers, but they say, God, you are a generous God, and I want to look more like you. And we want to invest in kingdom things around the world. What is Kingdom Builders? Kingdom Builders are projects around the world where we're able to partner with some of our missionaries and organizations to just add fuel to the fire that's already happening. To say, you've got something going on and you desperately need funds. We are blessed people and we want to help you. We want to give it. It, None of the Kingdom Builders money goes to us to build our stuff and make us happy. No, it's about getting out and saying, God, how can we invest in your kingdom all around the world? And so I want you to look at this real quick. I'm not going to have time to to dig into all these over this year. We will talk really explicitly about all of these projects. But I'm so excited. I've had the opportunity to work with our missionaries over the last several months to hear some of the opportunities that we're going to invest in. So a couple of those when it comes to global missions, we're going to be partnering with Project 42, who reaches the 42% of the world that have zero access to the gospel. And what we're going to, we are actually launching a near national missionary into a people group that has zero churches. All right? We are going to be a part of that, investing in that this year. We're also going to be a part of a Bible translation. There is a project uh, where there are 6 million people that currently don't have scripture in their language. And they are really close to finishing it. And we are going to be investing to finish off that project. It's so excited to be a part of that. The word of God in perpetuity is going to be available to this per- people group because of what we're investing in this year. Uh, there's other projects with our, our missionaries in Laos. Uh, it's just, they're an amazing couple. I don't have time to get into all that stuff. I want to talk some local stuff. You know, this past year, it was easy to talk about some of the things having to do with race and and inequality, and, uh, you know, that was a hot topic for everybody, and it's very easy to talk about it and do nothing, right? And we said, no, we want to do something, actually. And so Hope Academy, if you don't know what Hope Academy is, it's an amazing, amazing school in South Minneapolis uh, where kids are almost completely scholarshiped through this. Parents have to pay very, very small amounts, and they are given high-quality Christian education. And these kids are being built as future leaders in the world. It is 90% minority, and it is an amazing, amazing school. And we are investing. We are, for one week, we are actually sponsoring the entire kindergarten class to pay for their school for that week and being a part of what God is doing there already. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the other things that we do, I'll just mention with this, is we, we, like to, we believe in the future leaders here. We believe in our kids and our youth. That's the future of the church. And, uh, and they are living right now, and so we, we want to invest in them for camps and conventions and scholarships and some of those things. We want to be able to invest in them because we've got a lot of kids that are part of our church that don't have a lot of means, but they are inherently have eternal value in God's eyes, and we want to invest in them. We believe that they are going to be world changers because of what God's going to do in their hearts, all right? And so this year, this is some of the projects that, like I said, we're going to talk about these more, but here's what I want you to do over the next three weeks. Over the next three weeks, we are going to be receiving these pledge cards, and I want you to pray about it. If you are not already taking the step to tithe, then you need to pray about that, okay? But for those of you who are already tithing, you say, yep, I'm going to tithe, okay? God, what would you have me give? What would you have me give this year? The reason we take these is not because we're going to check up. Listen, you can be confident of this. I never know what anybody gives at this church, and I will never know what anybody gives at this church. I don't want to pastor dollar signs. I want to pastor people, okay? And so 
I won't know what you're saying. The reason we're doing this is because it helps us know if we have even more, then there's more projects we can add. That's what I'm praying. I'm praying that some of you are just going to get a fire lit in your belly, and we're going to be able to launch stuff all around the world, okay? So over the next three weeks, there's a couple things that you can do. For those who are online, if you go to our website, and anybody be aware of this, uh, just go down, scroll down on our homepage. There's a link that says Kingdom Builders. All of this information is on that page for you, okay? And there's also a place where you can fill out uh, a card online. But here's what I want you to do. This box, there's a box over here. If you in person want to fill this thing out for the next three weeks, every week I will tell you where the box is. This week the box is right there. Everybody see it? Awesome. If you want to fill this out, when service is over with, you can come drop it in that box. Over the next few weeks we'll have it in different places. But you can always do it online as we say, God, what do you want to do in us? Here's what I believe. 2021 is going to be a year. And it's going to be awesome. God's going to move. There's going to be powerful things that take place. I'm confident of that. The question is, are you going to engage? Will you be a part of that? Because he's going to do it. There's a story in the book of Nehemiah um, where Nehemiah hears about the walls in Jerusalem that have been torn down. And he goes and he kind of surveys everything. And God puts a vision in his heart to rebuild these walls. The city's in just ruins. Just burdens his heart completely, right? And, and, he, and he comes back and he... He knows that there's a burden, but there's no way he can do it by himself. And so if you read the scripture in Nehemiah, it, it goes through and it lists person after person after person after person. All these, like this person did this gate, and this person did this portion of the wall, this person did all these things, all these different areas of the wall. And they were able to finish this thing in amazing time. Why? Because everybody engaged. It wasn't Nehemiah. His name is on the book, but that, it wasn't him. Everybody just did what they were called to. And I believe if every single one of us say, God, I say yes to you, not yes to me, yes to him, I believe God's going to do amazing, amazing things in us this next year, all right? Would you stand with me across the room? As we, uh, as we close our time together this morning, thanks for your patience. went a little bit longer this morning, but I appreciate your patience. But here's a position that I want us to be in, and I know this is a position I ask you to to do on a regular basis, but I just want you to put your hands out like this. If you, if you are in a place where you say, God, I do want to say yes to you, I just invite you to do that. I do this visually because it helps us kind of reflect the posture of our heart. And right now in your own heart, I just want you to, to respond to God. If you sense him saying, God, I want to engage in these things that we've talked about today. For some of you, your, your heart has grown cold even as a part of our congregation and you're saying, God, would you forgive me of that? Once again, I want to re-engage in this body. My time isn't done. I'm not done serving here. God, would you engage me? For some of you who are here and you're newer, newer, you might, might just see, you know what, God, this is a place I think you want me to be. Begin to say yes. Say, God, I'm yours. Whatever you want. And God's put some dreams in some of your hearts that have been laid dormant. And my prayer, my prayer is that the keyboard would Thank you for answering that prayer, Lord. <laughs> Embrace the struggle, everyone. But God, this is the posture of our hearts. God, we're yours. We don't want to build the kingdom of Zoe. I don't want to build my kingdom, Father. I want to build your kingdom. I want to be a part of what you're doing in the world. And so we surrender ourselves to you. God, I pray that this year would look different because of this moment right here. 
Lord, that we wouldn't walk out of these doors business as usual, but we would walk out of these doors saying, God, what do you want to do? I offer myself to you completely. And God, we know that as we all do that, God, we are going to see great and mighty things take place. Because we always go back to your promise. You said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. God, we praise you for your promises. We praise you for the hope that is in Christ. And God, I pray for anybody here this morning who does not know that hope. They have not experienced the life of Christ. I pray that you would begin to just build something in their hearts, stir something in their hearts, call them to yourself, Father. God, may we say yes to you over and over and over again. You are our help. We thank you, Jesus. Pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said.